0: Tennessee. Tennessee. Tennessee.
1: Tennessee. Lord, I've really been real welcome back to the holler tnholler.com at the tn holler, on twitter and facebook we also have hollers all across the state thanks to your support even in memphis where senator robinson hails from all the way over to tri-cities and that's because you guys have been so great. So we really appreciate all that. Please keep supporting. It's how we are able to do what we do. And also, shout out to Elisa Parker for buying or selling in Middle Tennessee. Go through her. That's a way to support us. Today, we are going to be talking about something that, if you follow us, you probably are aware of. Um, but basically, long story short, yesterday, in a very disheartening, what Senator Robinson called a show, uh she was ousted from the senate Coming, the first senator to ever have that happen to her and so today wanted to have her on to kind of hear her side of the story hear what she's been through and clear up a lot of misinformation that has been out there all along the way senator robinson how are you doing
0: i'm doing okay justin thank you thank you for having me on show too
1: absolutely so just want people to know we can see your comments uh, so definitely comment along. Let us know where you're watching from. We see Heather saying that. Uh, and if you have any questions, I will we'll try to get to them. But I wanted to sort of start back in the beginning. Um, when did you find out there was an investigation?
0: I didn't find out there was an investigation until February 21st, 2020, when the FBI showed up at my doorstep. Um, that prior... November, November 2019, um, I got a call from a student, and the student was like, this guy came to my house from OIG, from Health and Human Services, asking about the school, asking about our program, what we did, and I didn't think much of it, and then another student called and said someone came to her mom's house looking for her, asking her questions about the school, and so I asked her, did she get contact information? She gave me the information for the investigator that came to the house. I called left a message and then I called the business attorney and the business attorney called and left a message. We never got a call back. Uh, December of 20, no, December, 2019, they closed my business banking account. All of a sudden the bank did. And when they close your account like that, they don't give you any information. They just say it's closed due to business decisions under the bank secrecy act, blah, blah, blah. So I had to close the account, go and redeposit somewhere else. And, the, and at that time, I'm starting to think that two things that are tied together, but still haven't heard anything. Um, and so I was in session in February in Nashville on my way home that morning. It was like seven o'clock in the morning. My best friend used to stay with my kids while I was away at session. And she called and she said, Katrina, there's like 20 FBI agents at your door. They're here to search the house. do I'm like, search the house for what? And I was like, one exit from my home. And so when I got there, they were all over the house, they had marked the walls, the news media was outside um, and they were just searching and searching the house. And I asked what they were there for. And I asked the, uh, the lead investigator who was there, you know, what is this about? And he was like, I can talk to you about it, but you're gonna have to answer some questions for me. And I said, no, I'm not answering any questions without the presence of an attorney. And they just continued to search the house and take everything. They went to my school. Um scared the students half to death, had them in the in different rooms interrogating them, telling them different stuff that was not factual. Um and, what is
1: the school? Tell us real quick, what is uh, the school?
0: I, I own the only black owned, the only independently owned, the only woman-owned nursing school in the entire state of Tennessee, the healthcare institute. And so we had students there in class that morning, and they were there interrogating them. Um, they made them stay, even though they wanted to leave. Um, they took all the boxes out of the school. They took all the file cabinets. They Yes, they brought the news media with them, Linda. They took all the um, file cabinets. They took all of the... um, Hey, Carlisha. I'm sorry. They took all of of the computers. They took uh, my son's laptop from my house. They took clothes, shoes. They took my daughter's inventory. She just bought inventory to start a new business. Um, They took everything from us. And... Um, at that time, Ed Stanton was who I uh, called to represent me, and uh, that's when I found out the actual meat of the investigation after Ed had made contact with the uh, DOJ.
1: And what was the meat of it? What were they accusing you of?
0: They accused me of stealing $621,000 of federal grant money, Um they, you know, gave an investigative review and, and talked about all the purchases that were made with grant funds. And I'm sitting there telling my attorney, no, this is not true. I did not use grant funds. I run a for-profit business. We, like, there was one year where they accused me of stealing $245,000 from the government. My business literally gener- generated $1.2 million and, you know, like, stuff like that. And I just couldn't understand where the the sense was made out of all of this, Right. And so um, we went through that whole process and I was thinking, okay, once we explain, you know, the structure of the business and how the grant works, blah, 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 all this would be put to bed. And it didn't. I got indicted and um, with a 48 count indictment, alleging $621,000 in theft of grant money. So it was uh, 24 counts of wire fraud, 24 counts of 18 U.S.C. 666, which is theft or embezzlement from a corporation involving federal grant funds, blah, blah, blah.
1: What were you facing in maximum?
0: I think the maximum was, no, 20 years on one of them. Yeah, 20 years, I think.
1: So that process starts to play out. You're a senator. Did you have any sense of why this started?
0: No. So let me go back to, so when I got indicted, it was in July. Prior to that, they had tried to get me to take a plea deal um for two and a half years in jail for this 48 count indictment. And as I told my attorney at the time, you know, that's not an option. I'm not guilty of a crime. I'm not pleading to anything I didn't do. Um And so, yeah, they ended up indicting me because I wouldn't take the plea deal.
1: Okay. And then, how long until I know they dropped a lot of the charges over time. And, and I think I read that you said that the government's case changed. Like they started to change what they were saying as they got more and more information. Is that, is that right? Is that how that evolved?
0: Mm-hmm. So I think the question before you asked me, how did, how was I told it, it started or. Yeah. Yeah. So in the complaint, they say that it started with an eBay purchase from November of 2016. Yeah, an eBay,
1: eBay purchase.
0: eBay purchase from November of
1: 2016
0: of what? Of a purse. Okay, so they said this started over an eBay purchase of 2016. Someone did a hotline complaint and said that they thought that I bought a purse and then would grant money, which made no sense. And so, but if you look at the records and any of the evidence that was submitted, nothing was stamped until 2019, meaning the investigation most likely did not start until 2019 after I was elected. As a matter of fact, it came out in trial that um, the grant agency didn't even know that I was under investigation until four days after I was elected to state Senate where they got the notification.
1: So just to be clear, what you're saying is they wanted to give the impression that the investigation had started a while back That way it would look less political, but really it seems to have started after you were elected. Correct. Okay. I gotcha. Okay. So the trial, before the trial, you had a bunch of charges dropped, right? They Mm -hmm. they dropped a bunch before the trial. And then during the trial, a lot of them also got dropped. So it went basically from something, and tell me if I have this wrong, something like 40 down to four.
0: Right. So it started with 48.
1: 48.
0: Uh huh. So when they dropped the indictment, my attorneys, of course, they, you know, combed through the indictment and there were a lot of legal deficiencies that made them have to drop 31 counts in the beginning. So it went from 48 counts to 17 counts. So they filed a superseding indictment for 17 counts. But because they had to drop the other counts, then they filed a retaliatory case uh, for money laundering alleging that I had conspired with two other women for um, for uh, the, what the student's boyfriend to pay for her to go to school and she never came to school and she got a, uh, a refund. So they dropped that case at the same time, never acknowledged that they had to drop the 31 counts where they did send another press release about the new case, right? So um, three weeks before trial, they added on three more charges, three more counts to the 17 count indictment saying that i had falsified um these reports that go to the grant agency now these reports were reports that were filled out by employees that actually testified at trial that they did the reports but they charged me criminally with whatever mistakes were on the reports so okay. I, I
1: so i think what ends up happening with this case right and and you know i've paid attention to it and i've tried to understand there's so many different like it just becomes hard for people to wrap their heads around what's going on and I think you've really been hurt by that and that's probably by design you know people start to go oh there's fr-. you just hear the words fraud and money laundering yeah how how much of what the public perceives of what happened and how much of like where how where's how big is that disconnect between public perception and what this case actually is do you think
0: it is hugely disconnected I mean you gotta think about this Justin when we went to trial hell the judge was still trying to figure out what was going on she actually told the prosecutors look I need you to submit something to me telling me what, what are you alleging that Ms. Robinson did because this is not making sense to me and when they did that she ended up dropping 15 of the counts right um, and so needless to say if we're in trial the judges had this this um, case for at this point a year yeah a year and some months and she's still trying to figure it out and you got a jury that just came in here last week who heard the prosecutors throw up every expenditure i ever made every bank statement every purchase they just threw all this stuff on the wall in front of the jury then the judge drops 15 of those counts. Here's the jury like, okay, so now what the hell? I got five counts. She must've done something. Right. you know. Right. And so I got a four out of five guilty on it.
1: So you said that you basically think the jury was confused, that essentially it amounted to accounting issues. Is that how you feel? You think it was just kind of the jury was confused and They weren't sure what to make of it. And they figured, oh, well, if 40 of these other charges got thrown out and these stuck, then these are probably the ones that we should convict
0: on." Right.
1: That seems to be what happened.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sitting there waiting for the jury to deliberate. They only asked for two pieces of evidence to look at. And I don't really know what those were, but um, it just didn't make sense. During the trial, we showed the, um, for the two um, expenses that were in question, we showed the month that the expenses were made, that there were no grant funds deposited into the account. So we know this out of question of grant funds. Right. And just we, so
1: people understand, you run this business. So this is your business. Yeah. So I, I, you know, and, and so when people own this bit like as long as you're doing the thing that you're supposed to be doing. And people are going to school it's not like there was no school there and was this is the other
0: crazy part justin the government yeah. acknowledged that i did exactly what i said i was going to do in the grant proposal right they, they were had, saying
1: you defrauded the government but the government wasn't saying you defrauded the government
0: the the organization organization okay so listen health and human services hrsa gave us the grant the government said that they started the investigation in 2016 We got grant awards for 2015, 2016, 2017, and 2018. The grant agency had no idea. The grant agency never complained to the government. Nobody ever complained to the government. They just brought this case.
1: Monica is asking a good question. What was the composition of the jury? Do you know?
0: Disappointingly, Monica, there were five black women on the jury. Wow. Five black women, three white women. Five black women, three white women two white males and an indian male
1: okay and i'm just looking through some of the other numbers and then i want to move on to what started to happen to you politically but you mentioned something like close to $200,000 or $175,000 in legal bills uh you know your your business has been what's going on with your business now
0: so my business was started with the premise that we wanted to make this an opportunity for people to be able to go to school with the financial resources available and with the support available. So like we do stuff like get uh, housing for people who are having housing issues, help with domestic violence issues. I mean, if you come in my establishment and your hair looks a mess, I send you down to the the walkway to the beauty shop, like stuff that we do. And we're not able to financially support those efforts as well as the students are now all self-pay students. The moment that the feds came through my door, Shelby County pulled tuition funding, the state pulled tuition funding for the students. And so now we're all self-pay. And um, it has severely crippled us. I mean, even when the raid occurred, we had students who were enrolled in our LPN program and our phlebotomy program. The phlebotomy students had like two weeks left to go in their program. The LPN students had just started. I literally ate over $100,000 in tuition because I didn't want the students to have to be punished for what was going on, on the you know with this situation. It wasn't fair to them to do that. And so they stayed in class basically for free. Well, I went to go work COVID contracts and pay payroll and keep the lights on.
1: One thing that you mentioned, you said there was an email that was misinterpreted over and over. What, what was this email about? Was it anything you want to talk about or is it just bad wording?
0: I mean, it. I can see how someone can interpret it the way that they did, but it wasn't the, what, the way that they interpreted to use it for the trial. I'll just say that. Uh-huh. Okay. And
1: then and the that, other question I the, want to ask you. The, is, email, the
0: email is really the one thing that's kept us on the hook with this trial, to be honest with you.
1: Okay, and that's with regard to your your with people with, with with regard to people going to school there, right? It was something about that.
0: It was something about
1: accounting. Accounting.
0: Well okay. the, the two expenditures that are at, uh, in question.
1: Then the other question I wanted to ask you about this before we move on to the politics stuff is: uh, Do you have a sense of why this started? <laughs> like, do you have your own theory? I've and you can of, share it with us or not, but do you have your own theory?
0: I mean, I've heard a few theories. I mean, I don't know, you know, the quickest way to, and you know, I, I help people run campaigns. And so the quickest way to uh, win a campaign is to convince people that the other person should be fired, Right. And so, um, in the very beginning, I think, um, I've heard, you know, different theories and I'm, I'm not going to say which one I put more weight into, whether it was, you know, my political potential and things that people were at that time betting me to do, or it could have been my predecessor. It could have been anything. So, I, I mean, I really don't know. I just don't so buy
1: it. People might've thought, oh, okay, she might have designs on running for... You know, president. One day, let's let's cut her off now. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know, ambitions, higher office, Congress, whatever it is, you know, other offices. So let's. I got you. Okay. So so it feels political to you, I guess, is the bottom line. So now let's talk about what happened this week. Uh, Obviously, pretty quickly after all this happened, you started to face your colleagues in first. It was the ethics committee. And they had a behind-closed-doors meeting to find probable cause, which nobody saw. And then they brought you before the committee, which was the ethics committee. And what happened there? Did you feel like they actually gave you a fair hearing?
0: Uh, thank you, uh, Miss Riley. Love you too, Suzanne. Uh, no. Hell no. <laughs> so, uh, uh The ethics committee used to be made up, and I think um, Senator Yarbrough brought this up yesterday, the ethics committee used to be made of of a comparable amount of Democrats versus Republicans, right? And so then they rewrote it, and the speaker appointed four Republicans and one Democrat. And so, of course, it's four white Republican men, one black uh, Democratic woman on the ethics committee. Um, They voted 4-0 for probable cause, of course, because uh, Senator Agafir wasn't able to attend the, the first probable cause meeting. And then the, during the public hearing, I got noticed at 444 the, that Friday, which was right before Martin Luther King Day on Monday. So that means I had Tuesday and Wednesday to get prepared and get my attorneys here for the ethics public hearing. And they denied the request to delay the public hearing. So then I'm left there with no representation. They tell me we don't need representation because we're not talking about legal stuff. And basically, you got an estate attorney who just told you all yesterday due process has no place in this. You got a state attorney. I mean, like uh, in a state attorney, uh, uh, Stevens, who also just came off an ethics complaint. I think you posted about that um, debating what motions are available in a federal court case. So um, there he is. Hey, they
1: filed against Senator John Stevens for misuse of campaign funds, so he was facing his own ethics complaint. And then, oh, by the way, this was posted yesterday that I didn't even know about by the Memphis holler. Uh, Senate candidate destroyed unconscious dying widow's will. That's your buddy Stevens. Uh, apparently destroyed a dying widow's will while she was unconscious. And this is the guy who stood up and spoke out. Against Senator Robinson, and basically was leading the charge to make this happen now. And then the thing I think people need to understand is you were just asking to let the process play out. You still have a sentencing coming, anything could happen between now and then. And you were basically saying if you get convicted, or, or not if you get, well, if, if it basically holds as is, you were just going to resign because that's the law. So just let it play out. Let me resign was the, the plea from you and your colleagues yesterday. And they wouldn't even do that. Why do you think they wouldn't even do that aside from the obvious reasons that they just seem to have no shame or remorse?
0: I mean, and that's funny that you say they have no shame or remorse because I heard they were on the elevator crying after yesterday. But anyway. Who? uh, Well, hold on. Let me get to that. So, (laughs) uh,
1: Tear ducts, Republican tear ducts. This is new.
0: Oh, yeah. So I thought, you know. I don't know why they thought that this thing should be rushed. And here's my theory. I think yesterday, if you were watching, you saw uh, Senator Yarbrough make the motion to delay the proceedings and allow me to let the process play out. And if, yep. if things were not fixed by March 3rd, the sentencing date or whatever it was.
1: Which, by the way, 16-16 almost passed and Senator Gilmore wasn't there. So that was a pretty close vote.
0: That's what I'm saying. So they had already like divvied it out, is what I'm saying to you.
1: Oh, that was a shame, too. That was like, oh, you're going to, we're going to make ourselves look like we're reasonable people.
0: You're yes, you're no. But nobody knew that Gilmore wasn't going to be there yesterday because it would have been a 17, 16 vote and I would have gotten to March 3rd. You
1: get what I'm saying? Wait, hold on, hold on. So they didn't know she was going to be there.
0: They didn't know she wasn't going to be there. Right. So,
1: So you think they were going to let you go to March 3rd? Yeah. Oh, really? But they couldn't fix that? If that's what they wanted to do, they couldn't have somebody flip their vote knowing she wasn't there?
0: They didn't realize what they had done.
1: So you're telling me you think that they went into yesterday planning to delay until after, and because Senator Gilmore wasn't there, you're now not a senator? That's wild. I believe it. I mean, look, nothing surprises me. When you called it a show and said everything's preordained, you're absolutely right about that. That's been the case as long as I've been watching all the proceedings. There's only been one or two times that I can think of where I feel like something actually changed in the room. And uh, the one, actually, only one time. The one time I think it happened. I think Justin Jones talked them out of passing the run over a protester bill at the end of session last session. I think he looked into Senator Mike Bell's soul and got them to to cave because they started walking over to each other and whispering at each other. What's in the committee? Yeah. In the committee. I was
0: there. Yeah.
1: Only in committee. Now I haven't seen it happen on the floor. Nothing. Except for maybe the vouchers. But no, I, I agree with you. It's mostly a show. It's mostly a sham. Uh, but that's wild that that's what you think. So just to so people know, I mean, first of all, it's important to remember a few things. One is this happened before you were a senator. This is theoretically about stuff that happened before you your senator. You were going to resign if this had held. All you were asking for was time to let things play out. And then, and these are the things that we're alluding to. But I just, I really want to hit them. And you, you did a better job than I'm going to do here. But there are a lot of people who have done really unethical stuff that have not faced removal, such as. Senator Steve Dickerson, who settled for $4 million after being accused of $25 million of Medicare fraud at his clinic where he was calling urine like liquid gold. Then there's Senator Joey Hensley, who was prescribing, pop for prescribing opioids to his cousin, who was also his lover he was cheating on his wife with. Yes, that's true. And by the way, has been divorced four times. That's Joey Hensley. And this is the guy that legislates morality every single day. I I can't even believe it. Nothing gives me more pleasure than reminding him of that every time I see him up there. And then there's Senator Brian Kelsey, who just got his trial delayed for a year. Despite a federal indictment, he's not facing anything. And he actually voted you out yesterday. So that's him. And then, of course, there's Casada, who lost his speakership, but he didn't face removal. There's David Byrd, who apologized on tape to one of three women who say he sexually abused them in high school, and on and on and on and on. And yet the only legislator to be ousted or face removal proceedings is a black woman from Memphis. Katrina, how do you feel about the role that race has played in all this? What, what, what is your
0: feeling? I think it's disgusting. Um, it's disheartening. It's all of that because I feel like, you know, we want to question morality among the body and say that I am bringing shame and degrading the integrity of the the Senate. And you all will sit here and pander for the sake of politics and against the goodwill and the and the the health of our state. I. It, it makes no sense to me how people can sit there on a high horse and all the stuff you just read off. These people participated in this proceeding. Like even the fact, go back to Brian Kelsey. Brian Kelsey, you know, he got his um, trial put off. Brian's a constitutional law attorney. How do you get a trial put off for representing somebody for quadruple murder? Like, come on they're able to finagle the system and manipulate the system to get away with things that are actually immoral and are actually crimes and that they're aware that they committed and admit to committing sometimes. And unfortunately, I'm not that person of those resources or those networks that has the opportunity to be able to talk to somebody and tell them actually what happened and they actually listen and do the right thing. I mean, I don't have, I don't have that. Um, And so, I think it's disgusting that they would even go a step further to do what they did on yesterday against the will of the people. It's not like it's just me saying, hey, don't oust me. They had petitions from 5,000 of my constituents. They had letters from the NAACP, from the National Black Caucus of State Legislators, from the Shelby County uh, delegation of Democratic legislators. They had it from... The Tennessee Black Caucus of State Legislators, like everyone wrote letters. The Shelby County Commission wrote a letter and said, don't do it and we're not ready to uh, take up the appointment if you do. So they don't care. This is all, like I said yesterday, a show. It is all for politics. Even when we're in there arguing over the fetal heartbeat bill and that kind of stuff, that's all for politics. It's not because they think that's the best thing for Tennesseans. It's so they can get reelected and raise more money. And pass more legislation that helps them raise more money.
1: I think that's spot on. What are you going to do now? Is there a way to fight this? Are you still fighting your case? What What's your plan?
0: Um, yes, I'm still fighting my case. So um, sentencing is now set for March 3rd, but I'm still uh, in talk to my attorneys now. I have a little more time to do so. Um, And we're, I mean, we're going to fight it. If it has to go to appeals court, that's where it's going. But I mean, I'm adamant about it. And that's one of the reasons why I told people I'm not resigning because I don't want to support your narrative that I don't deserve to be here.
1: And is there any path back to your seat?
0: Um, Once I'm through the appeals process, yeah. Um, I could run again or, you know, if the person is there whatever the timing is, if, if there's an appointment available, I can sit for the appointment as long as I'm eligible to uh, hold office. Yeah.
1: And what happens to your seat in the meantime, it might just sit open.
0: No, they have to have representation for the district, but it's just, it's such a bureaucratic process. It'll take a while. So the governor has to issue an order for the County commission to uh, open the appointment process up and they open the application process up for any candidates that want to apply for the appointment. They interview them. They uh, make the appointment, and that person goes into the seat. But you know, you're talking about a lay person coming to jump in and get to work. Like I got two days of training when I first got here, and I'm still learning, or was still learning. And uh, I think it it's just a, a complete disruption to uh, what the people of the district deserve.
1: Would you even want to do this again? Like, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, like, why would you want to go work with these people again? Um,
0: I want to be in a position where I can advocate and help my community. I'll just put it to you that way. And whatever way I feel is the best way to do that, that's going to always be the direction I go in. Um, just because I don't serve as a senator doesn't mean that I cannot contribute to my community and that, that I cannot be what I have been to people all along. Um, in terms of being some type of motivation or inspiration for them or some type of source of help for them through whatever situation they're going through. So I don't necessarily have to be a senator at this time. However, you know, I understand what comes with the influence of ha- holding a public office and how much more leverage you have to help people. So it just depends. You know, I need some time to kind of digest what happened yesterday and to, um, identify what I think is the best route to be able to fulfill my purpose.
1: What would be your message for the, your former Republican colleagues?
0: I really have a message for them, to be honest with you, Justin, what's done is done and I hope they can live with it on their, on their conscience and beat their chest over, you know, ousting the first black woman from the Senate and the first person ever to be ousted. Now you go down in history. So, I mean, I, I don't really have anything to say.
1: What about to your constituents?
0: My constituents, I'm sorry. And I'm sorry that you were not heard and did not have a voice in this process, uh, whichever way you feel about the situation. Some, I mean, most people have been supportive of me because they have been following the case. And some people wrote it off as soon as they um, saw the case and don't really know what's happening. And so now they are um, not as supportive. But either way, I'm just sorry that the public did not have a say-so in this whole entire process. And I also want people to know that, you know, let, let me and what I do, at least let my pain be an example to you that, you know, it is possible to fight back and you should fight back at every turn. You don't let someone just come and ruin your reputation, ruin your name and take away things from you without having to... Answer to it. And I mean, and that's really the summation of what I went through yesterday. Yes, it was painful. I cried all night. I really did Um, because I didn't expect to feel the way that I felt after the hearing. I keep wanting to call it a ceremony for some reason. Uh, I didn't get closer. Yeah, I didn't expect to feel the way that I felt yesterday after everything went down. I felt like going into it, I felt like I would feel victorious because I would be able to get things on the record and. Um, people would be able to see what really happens, but I really felt so like trampled on after yesterday, if that makes sense, because after all of the stuff that I've done and after all of the work and sacrifice and people just don't know, like they, they read these articles and they think that I am uh, some type of entitled person who has had things given to them and I'm greedy and I took stuff and now I want to be greedy and keep my seat. And it's the total opposite. I've worked so hard, Justin, that it's hard to watch everything just crumble before your eyes. And people keep telling you, you know, this is big. This is just a stepping stone and bigger and greater is coming. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I know. And I feel it. But that moment, it just hurts so bad, you know. Um, That's it.
1: Thank you for coming on here and sharing this with us. Uh, Obviously, you have a lot of support. And, you know, I know we haven't heard the last of Senator Katrina Robinson. I look forward to seeing what you do next. Obviously, you're somebody who, you know, can accomplish great things when you set your mind to it from becoming a state senator to the school that you started. And so I have no doubt that you will be bouncing back. Definitely stay in touch. And uh, and we really appreciate you coming on here.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you doing this, Justin. appreciate the work that you do too don't stop people need to know
1: thank you take care
0: all right thank you bye bye bye
1: so that's senator katrina robinson thank you all for joining us for following along you know i know this has been a long journey for her can't imagine what she's going through it's been hard to kind of wrap our heads around it even when we follow it closely and there's a lot of misinformation out there obviously there's a lot of people who are eager to jump on when or pile on when things like this are happening Uh, i don't think anybody who watches the tennessee legislature is surprised that they took the first opportunity to you know kick her while she was down to oust a powerful black woman um but she did what she could to fight it and you know i'm i'm sure we haven't heard the last of her and, uh, you know, I think we just got to keep letting them know that we're watching. And that's really all we try to do here at the Hollers, let them know that we're watching. So thank you for watching and uh, <clears throat> follow the Hollers across the state, especially to her folks in Memphis. Memphis Holler is doing their part over there. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's hard to watch someone that strong, you know, go through this. It's hard to watch anyone go through this, but, you know, knowing how strong she is and to see what it's doing to her, it's hard to watch. And uh, it's a damn shame that the people in power seem to have so little remorse. And that little tidbit that she said, basically, where she thinks it was a plan for them to split up who was going to vote to delay. I mean, that was that was interesting. She's probably not wrong about that. Anyway, thank you so much for watching. Follow the hollers and we'll see you next time. And a...